going to be handing out our prayer for today when we have our prayer time. These are for you just to look at for a moment, and then I'd ask you to put them away. But what this is, is um, things that you can pray with when you go home. So there's a, a page, a couple pages for each question. On the left side is a, a reflection or a few quotes. And on the right side are 10 Bible verses that you, so you can continue to pray the way we've been praying if you so choose. Um, but they're just verses that I think go well with the, the questions that we've been discussing this for the last few days. And then, pull them away, please. I was a teacher at one point. <laughs> I need Lynn, my proctor. <laughs> Put them away. Um, I want to begin by just saying in a word of gratitude, a word of thanks. Um, I have just been so blessed by all of you that you would be willing to share your lives with me, um, your pain, your joy, your excitement, your fears. Um, it's, just, it's just a deep privilege that I carry close to my heart and I'm so very, very grateful, so thank you. And one of the things I have realized is that it is you and it is I who make God's heart sing. So thank you for singing this beautiful tune to me this week. We have asked a lot of questions. We talked about who, that I am who God sees me to be. We looked at what, that we believe, what do we believe about God, but we, we believe in a God who gave everything to redeem me. When, that God meets me in my past and in my present and in my future. Where, that God is my final destination and that even now he wants me to live in him, to abide in him and why, that we are meant for mission, that we are to realize that we are each God's beloved, and that we are called to help others realize that they are God's beloved. And so today we're going to get to how, how, yes, our last question. And I want in particular to look at how do we go home? How do, how do we live from here? At the end of my retreat with um, Monsignor Asif, he said to me, Cheryl, you're not going back, you're going forward. We're going home in a new way, a new way of living. And he said, be the unique, unrepeatable Jesus you were created to be. We are each created to be Jesus in our own unique way out to the world. That's who we are. Um, again, back to this book, Eternity in the Midst of Time. He says... Instead of speaking of linear time, we should perhaps speak of spiral time. Everything returns, so we're going back home, we're going back to our lives, but everything is new because it's happening at a higher level. The key to a true life is precisely in beginning again with a whole new and fresh openness, and at the same time with a foundation and starting point from previous experiences. I like to think of it as a spiral staircase. I come around and I see the same things, but now I'm a little bit higher, so I see them from a new perspective. And then I come around again, and then I come around again. Said human beings begin again and again, and every new beginning can be a new attempt, a new movement upward.
Let's pray. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you in accord with the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, rooted in, and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, help us to know that love and to be filled with you in your precious and powerful and mighty and wonderful and beautiful name. Amen. On my retreat with Monsignor Esaf, there was another thing that he shared that really had an impact on me. And he said, I see in you two towers. One is the tower of self-condemnation, and one is the tower of self-reliance. And it's like you're shackled to these two towers. And throughout the retreat, those towers started to crumble. And in many ways, I was set free. In fact, when I left, he gave me this icon of Jesus, who's like reaching down into hell to pull up Adam and Eve, and their shackles are falling off. He said, your shackles are falling off. And what I found since that time is that that tower of self-condemnation came down pretty quickly once I realized that I am God's delight and that I am who he sees me to be. If I'm not who I see me to be or who others see me to be, why, why would I condemn myself? God sees me and he says, you are my beloved child. So that tower came down pretty quickly. The tower of uh, self-reliance has taken some time. <laughs> but what I've found is with that tower, it's coming to know even more deeply who he sees me to be and the truth of who I am that is destroying that tower of self-reliance. A few years ago, this is when this tower really started to crumble. Um, it was Lent. And uh, I was driving by our house next to this construction project that I really was ticking me off. I did not want it. They destroyed a little Perkins, and they're putting up two huge seven-story buildings. And traffic was already bad. <laughs> and with all these trucks and construction, the, the road was just full of potholes. So I'm driving down the road, and it's Lent, and I'm like, I know, I'm going to give up complaining and despair. <laughs> and so what happened was, I cracked the door open for God when I said, I'm going to give up complaining and despair, and he threw it wide open. And uh, inexplicably, I experienced this profound dread and fear. I'm like... Lord, I was just talking about potholes. <laughs> I don't want to go here. I just, want to, just don't want to complain about the potholes. But he's like, really, Cheryl? Do you really just want me to deal with potholes, or do you want me to deal with this? I'm like, okay, okay. So for weeks, all through Lent, and even actually a little bit through Easter, I just was just so 
afraid and I was experiencing in a really raw and real way my brokenness, my sin, my failure, my utter poverty. I just had eyes to see it in all its stark ugliness. And just kind of sat in the mess and leaned into it and said, Lord, I know you're doing a work here. I'm not sure what this is, but I will just sit in it. And then I went on my silent retreat for that year. And I don't go to Monsignor SF anymore. He's 95. I figured he's got a long enough list without me. <laughs> so I have a priest that I see in Florida. He works at the seminary down there. And because it's Florida, they have a lot of guest rooms. A lot of people like to go there. <laughs> and... When I got there, it just happened that the seminary was having um, praise and worship and healing prayer like the first night I was there. So he said, if you want to go to this, you're certainly welcome to. So I went in, and Father John was there, and this other man and other people around the room, and they were doing healing prayer. And I shared my fear. And they prayed over me. And as they were praying over me, I had felt like there was this shell around my heart that was just like crushing me, and it started to crack. And after they prayed, I, I sat down and prayed, and I felt like the Lord himself was like peeling off this shell, like, you're afraid of this, you're afraid of this, you're afraid of this. And my heart began to expand. And I went with that new way of being into my prayer for the week. And for, where's, is Zach's not here? Zach not here? Zach and I were talking yesterday about one of his favorite places, which now is one of my favorite places, and that was during those, uh, those, the first few days of my retreat, I kept wanting to go back to the tomb and just pray in the tomb. And so I went in the tomb, and it's just dark and quiet, and there was nothing that the Lord was saying that was revolutionary to me. Just, it was just like... You're just in, I was just in there with Jesus. And I didn't know why, but I kept being drawn back there. And I just thought, I just have to be with Jesus. That's all I have to do is just be with Jesus. So I was there for a few days. And then um, I was asked to pray with this passage. This is from Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. After this, I had a vision of an open door in heaven. And I heard the trumpet-like voice that had spoken to me before saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen afterwards. At once I was caught up in the Spirit. A throne was there in heaven, and on the throne sat one whose appearance sparkled like jasper and carnelian. And there's a little bit more, but it goes on and it says, Then I saw standing in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and the elders a lamb that seemed to have been slain. So I was praying with this passage, and I, as I, when I pray, especially with scripture passages like this, I ask the Lord, put me in the scene, wherever you want me, wherever you want me, I'll go. So I come up, and I come to this door that's open just a little bit, and I push it open, and I go in, and the Virgin Mary is there, and she takes me by the hand, and I'm a little girl. And we're in this huge banquet hall, and at the far end, I see the throne, See the, the one, the Father. And when I picture the Father and the Holy Spirit, it's always like I could never describe it. It's just like this presence. There's not, he doesn't have a face or an image. It's just I see his presence. And then I see the lamb that was slain. And all the angels and saints, the, all the holy ones all around. 
and we're, I'm skipping into the room, and I'm like, this is great, this is great, and I'm seeing, I, I'm God's delight, I'm God's delight. And I get to the middle of the room, and I stop. And all of a sudden, I look at myself, and I am that world-weary woman that was just besought by fear. And I could see all of my failings and my poverty, my sin, and I still sin, it makes me mad. And I sat there and I'm like, I can't, I can't go. I am not worthy to approach the throne, I just can't. So I stood there, kind of weeping like I am now, and all of a sudden I looked and the lamb that was slain is coming to me. He comes all the way up to me and he snuzzles his head into me and he says, put your hand in my side. And he said, I am who I am. You belong to me. And then all of a sudden, he was the Lion of Judah. And I'm standing there, and he comes right up to my face. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about the fear of God, having the fear of God. This is the closest I've ever come to experiencing that. It was like, I was totally at peace, but it was like, I am face to face with the Lion of Judah. He puts his face right here and he roared. And it was like my hair was blown back and there was this hot breath all over me and he's like, I am making you clean. It is I who make you clean. And he said, behold, I make all things new. And all, all through this prayer, I'm sitting in this little chapel all by myself, thank you, Lord, in this chair, and all of a sudden, the lion becomes Jesus. And I just fell on the floor and wept. Because here's the one that loves me. And I wept, and I wept, and then he came over and he lifted me up. And he took his thumb that was dipped in blood, his blood, and he said, behold, I seal you with the Holy Spirit and with my own blood. You are mine. And then, because I always ask for more, like, could you seal the rest of me? <laughs> so, so he sealed my eyes and he said, I seal your eyes that you may see. I seal your ears that you may hear. I seal your lips that you may speak. I seal your heart that you may love. I seal your hands that you may serve. And I seal your feet that you may bring me to the world. And at that moment, that, that tower of self-reliance crumbled to the ground because I realized I really am not worthy. I cannot do it myself. I can't. And I remember talking about this with my spiritual director. And I, I said to him, I can't. But God kept telling me, I know, but I can. And my spiritual director said, exactly. And then I said, but I am a very capable person. <laughs> he said, I know, exactly. <laughs> I had to stop relying on myself, stop putting my faith in myself, and put my faith in God. And when I did that, not only did my faith grow, but my hope grew because I am weak. I am broken and I fail. 
but he will never fail me. He will never fail me. He will never fail me. No, he won't. And so now, instead of putting my faith in me, who's going to let myself down, and that's therefore I'm hopeless, I put my faith in him. Why, why, why do I need to fear? He's always willing my good. Whatever happens, the worst or the best, he's there. I can rely on him. And so as my faith grew and my hope grew, all that's left is love. And love is everything. Faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. That's where we started. How great is our God and how much he loves us. It's all ordered to love. I've shared with you different authors, different saints who have impacted me, and I believe that the, the saint that has impacted me the most is Saint Therese, Saint Therese of Lisieux. Saint Therese went into a Carmelite, I was thinking about that today for the first time, here we are at Mount Carmel, a Carmelite monastery, which means she went into this little place with a bunch of sisters, and their mission is to pray. That's it. They don't come out. They stay in this little, tiny place, and they pray for the world. And uh, she went in when she was 17. She died from tuber tuberculosis when she was 24. And she has had probably, if I, if I had to single out people other than the Lord, I mean, one of the most profound impacts of my life of anyone. And it, but it's funny, because when she was dying, one of the nuns there was talking to another nun, and she said, well, I don't know what Mother Superior is going to say about Therese when she dies. She says, she's really sweet, but she really hasn't done anything. <laughs> what St. Therese did, out of obedience to her Mother Superior, is she wrote down her little way. She just called it that. It's her little way. It's her autobiography about her little way of doing things. And her little way is all about love. And her little way has impacted so many people, not only me, but it impacted this young woman from Albania named Agnesi Gonja Boyajiu. Thank you, Google pronunciation. <laughs> so that's her name. But she decided she wanted to be a nun, so she took St. Therese for her new name. And then she went to Calcutta and forever was known as Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said this, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. That was Mother Teresa's ministry all along. She just did the next best thing. She, that one little person that was dying in the ditch was everything to her. That was Jesus. She didn't need to do anything else except whatever Jesus showed her. The little things with great, great love. St. Therese knew she wanted to be a great saint. She wanted to be, um, she's actually the patron saint of missionaries, never having left her little thing, her little cloister, because she prayed for people all over the world, has transformed the world by her prayer. She knew she wanted to be a great saint. She was like, I want to be a martyr, I want to be an evangelist, I want to be a prophet, I want to do all these things. But she also knew she was little, and she knew her poverty. And so she's like, Lord, what, what do you want me to be? What is my gift? What, are you, what is my calling? She's like, I know this little way is what you're calling me to do, but can you give me like a word? 
So she opened the scriptures, and this is what she read. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, healers, helpers, administrators, speakers in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? You know, showing us that we each have different callings. But then St. Paul says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. A still more excellent way. You know what follows that, that quote? 1 Corinthians 13, love. The still more excellent way is love. And Therese said, I will be love. That's what God wants me to be. I'm going to be love. And she was love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I have that great gift, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to be able to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's all, all, all about love. That's what we are called to do. We are called to be love. And that's what she said. I'm not called to be a martyr. I'm not called to be this. I know what I will be. I will be love. So I'm going to invite us now to pray and say, God, how do you want me to be love? I'm going to leave you with this quote before we, before we stop. You want to start passing those, oh, the, the, our prayer things. Love is enough in itself. For those who live in absolute love, few words are needed to talk about God. Love encompasses all, and neither questions nor answers are needed any longer. The Christian life has nothing to do with objectivity and cold duty. To the, one, the ones who enter into a relationship with God, life becomes an adventure of love. To those who enter into relationship with God, back to our relationship, life becomes an adventure of love. So on your handouts, there's just two scripture passages and they were so beautifully read for us during our time of worship. One is the, the passage from Ephesians, which I also just prayed with now, and the other is the, the whole chapter, actually, of 1 Corinthians 13. So let's, does everybody have one? Thank you. Let's pray. O oh, Lion of Judah, Lamb that was slain, Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit, we begin by just remembering that we are in your presence. 
we take a moment and just ask you to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive your gaze of incredible love. Love for us in the way that you delight in all that is good in us and love for us that you delight even in our brokenness because it, it makes space for you. You want us all, all that we are, broken and beautiful. Help us to see that gaze of love. And as we remain in this gaze of love, let us take a moment now to look into our hearts, to acknowledge what our thoughts and feelings and desires are, to acknowledge the ways that you want to unshackle us, that you want to bring us healing, that you delight in us even in our brokenness. Anything that's on our hearts, Lord, we just ask that you help us to see and to acknowledge. I want to give you a full amount of time to pray today, so I'm just going to lead you right away to acknowledge those things and then relate them to the Lord and then just listen to him. Receive whatever message he has for your heart, his message of particular love that he wants to pour upon you. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we thank you for showing us your mighty, powerful, and transforming love. Lord, we, we know that we make your heart sing. We're so grateful. We praise you and give thanks to you. We ask that as we go home, that we go forward and not back that we see with a new lens that you are inviting us into your love to become your love. In your beautiful name we pray, amen. We are going to close with a song of praise.